Welcome to the Commercial Crew Review here on Today in Space, where once a month we review the latest with SpaceX and Boeing as they continue to develop NASA's options to send American astronauts from American soil once again. This week we have updates from both SpaceX and Boeing, so first let's start with SpaceX. In our last Commercial Crew Review, we talked about the picture-perfect crew in-flight abort test of the SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule. And after the success here during Max-Q, which is the, the time of greatest aerodynamic, aerodynamic pressure and forces that the spacecraft is going to experience, so perfect worst-case scenario to test this, once it did so well in that test, SpaceX has now fast-tracked their mission to launch the first astronauts to the International Space Station. Those two NASA astronauts will be Bob Behnken and Doug Hurley. And they'll be the first to fly aboard Crew Dragon to the International Space Station. And that may be as soon as this spring. But if we look at the track record and the trend of Elon Musk's goal setting and SpaceX's ability to achieve those goals on time, and granted their ambitious dates, it's most likely that this won't happen until sometime in the spring. You know, the goal, of course, is always to make sure these astronauts get there safely and return home safely. So uh, I don't expect any rushing to get this done in time. Everything needs to work properly in order for this to happen. Again, since the last episode, uh, we saw an image of the SpaceX team in front of the Crew Dragon capsule that was posted online. I came across it on social media, and it's it's just a great look at the people behind these incredible achievements of engineering, as they ra very rarely get the spotlight. And these people are involved in carving out a new future in our space industry right now to try and make life interplanetary, which is the stated mission of, or at least one of the stated missions of SpaceX. A big congratulations is necessary for everyone involved in the SpaceX team and the team at NASA that's helped make this partnership work with the commercial crew program. This really is a great time to just take a second and appreciate how far they've come. The road ahead will not be any easier as they prepare the spacecraft and the astronauts to be ready for flight. The Crew Dragon spacecraft was delivered to Florida to prep for its eventual Demo 2 launch. It underwent acoustic testing, which uses sound aimed at the spacecraft to produce the similar vibrations the Crew Dragon will experience aboard the Falcon 9 rocket launch, which will prepare and make sure that everything's in order, that everything's been manufactured correctly, and that it will survive and do what it needs to do during that test. Now, after seeing the CRS-19 mission launch last December with the Falcon 9 and the Cargo Dragon spacecraft, thanks to NASA Social, I can say that it's incredibly loud, even miles away. And this is my, my first rocket launch. And they actually have to spray water down prior to the engine starting for launch, not because they're afraid of a, a fire catch, catching or, or, or destroying the launch pad, but it actually muffles the sound that's generated, which could destroy the concrete that everything is built on. It could destroy the structures around it. I mean, it really is mind-blowing how much power is generated by those rockets. And, and the Falcon 9 is not necessarily a big rocket by rocket standards. So that vibrational testing is really critical, and that's what it's undergoing currently. You can learn more about my time in Florida for that NASA social for the CRS-19 mission and see the footage that I took during my time there. You just look for NASA social on our YouTube channel, on Spotify, or on Apple Podcasts. 
And the Demo 2 launch is near, and most of the major milestones are completed. According to Elon Musk, in a recent conference, he stated, We're highly confident that the hardware will be ready in Q1, most likely the end of February, but no later than March. And we think it appears probable that the first crude launch would occur in the second quarter, which means we'd go through March into April, and that's when our timeline should begin. Now, SpaceX has done their part delivering hardware, and now NASA gets to review their work and test the spacecraft against every safety procedure necessary to give it the approval to send their first two astronauts into space aboard an American spacecraft since the space shuttle was retired in 2011. The other side of our commercial crew review involves Boeing's latest with the Starliner spacecraft. Last we left with Boeing's commercial crew progress, their first launch of Starliner to the ISS did not go according to plan. ULA Atlas V launched the spacecraft into the proper orbit, but the spacecraft didn't perform a critical orbital burn to be able to get the spacecraft into its proper orbit. But they did successfully return the spacecraft to Earth regardless of the issues they encountered. But a lot was still in the air as far as what may have happened, rumors being that there was something wrong with the software, and an independent review team was put in place and started involving both NASA and Boeing to determine what didn't go correctly. And in a move of transparency on February 7th of this year, NASA Administrator Jim Bryanseed held a teleconference call in the middle of the Starliner Independent Investigation to allow the press to ask questions and to provide some information to update the public on what's going on. This was, in this podcast opinion, a very, very good move by our current NASA Administrator. You know, there's a, there's a long road ahead for commercial crew and Starliner specifically. And the more that people can be involved in the return to human spaceflight in America, the more support it will garner from the public, and NASA will be able to develop trust with all of us by, by doing these kind of moves. I mean, it worked back in the early days of the space race when JFK put cameras uh, on these first launches so that the public could get involved, could have a front row seat in the journey to the moon. And I love seeing that our NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine is doing much of the same. Now, the teleconference included some leadership from NASA, both NASA and Boeing, and they reviewed some major topics. There is a recording of that teleconference call in the description of this episode if you'd like to put it on while you're maybe on your drive to work or doing something. It's a good thing to listen to. You get a lot more details, but what we're going to do is just go over some of the bullet points of, of where they are currently, as because I already listened to it, got some notes for you. I'll also add the actual statement from Boeing after I give you my quick review. The Starliner team did not know that there was an issue until the spacecraft didn't achieve its proper orbit because it didn't do the proper burn. This was due to the mission elapse timer anomaly, which was something that we had been brought into as this was going on, and it caused the spacecraft to think that it was at a completely different time in the mission than it actually was, and so it tried to fire a bunch of engines to correct its orbit, which obviously was not the right place, so it, it did too many burns and got the spacecraft out of this orbit it was supposed to get into to reach the ISS. Now, Boeing has stated on their website, Regarding the mission elapsed timer anomaly, the IRT, the Independent Review Team, believes they found root cause and provided a number of recommendations and corrective actions. Next, the overall issue in general for Starliner, it's about software. There are roughly a million lines of code and about 65%, if I remember the, the conference correctly, around 65%, around that percentage 
was executed during the test launch, which means there's a whole nother portion of the code that they haven't gone through. And if you want to learn more about those details, you can you can hear about that in the recording. Now, the good thing is that when the team saw that there was an issue that the spacecraft wasn't in orbit, they quickly went to work to go through the code and find any other issues that might have happened. And it's good that they did because they actually did find another issue as it would have happened when the crew module would have separated from the service module. And if it had executed that maneuver with the original code, the two spacecraft would have bumped into each other as they were separating. Now, the official statement from Boeing on this is as follows. The IRT also investigated a valve mapping software issue, which was diagnosed and fixed in flight. That error in the software would have resulted in an incorrect thruster separation and disposal burn. What would have resulted from that is unclear. Now, that last line's a little general because, yes, we don't actually know the specifics. There's so many different things that could happen. The general idea here is that spacecraft bumping into each other is never good. It could create a tumbling that's uncontrollable or at least not prepared for in the mission. So you, you may not have enough fuel banked to adjust for some crazy roll that happens. And plus, without humans on board, it would have to have a pre-programmed set of operations to readjust itself. And, and who knows, depending on that bump, if it would be able to do that correctly in the time that it needs to. And then, of course, there's also the issue of potentially puncturing the other spacecraft or breaking something on either piece of hardware. And that's just a small list. Again, it's never a good thing for spacecraft to bump into each other unexpectedly. And the Boeing team did fix this on, on like live. They did it right there, it's, which, is, which is an amazing thing because they were able to still recover the mission, to still troubleshoot the code, send it up to the spacecraft, have it fix that code, and then operate successfully so that it could return properly without any issues. And Boeing intends to review the entire list of code, that, hundred, that million or so lines of code on the spacecraft to make sure that there are any faults that, that if there are any, they can find them. And never mind, test those to make sure that the changes that they did fix the problem and didn't create any new ones. Just basic software troubleshooting here. And there was still one other issue with the communication dropping out as the spacecraft was making its way into orbit. Basically, there's two phases of, of the mission with, with communications with the spacecraft involved, right? There's the Earth-based communication where the, the spacecraft is communicating with the Earth, and then there's the space-based communication where once the spacecraft gets to a certain point, it actually makes more sense to start communicating from space-based communication sources. In that Earth-based communication section, there was some blockout, uh, some dead zones, uh, or interference that was happening when they were trying to communicate with the spacecraft from Earth, which was unexpected. There is, in the teleconference, again, you have to listen to get a more detailed explanation, but there was mention that cell phone towers may have caused this issue and gotten in the way and disrupted communications with the spacecraft, uh, but I'm sure we'll learn way more about that in the uh, when the IRT report comes out. The official Boeing statement on this is as stated, the IRT is also making significant progress on understanding the command dropouts encountered during the mission and is further investigating methods to make the Starliner communication system more robust on future missions. While it may be easy to point fingers and say that Boeing up, I'm saying it's just part of the process. Not that long ago, SpaceX literally blew up the Crew Dragon spacecraft on a simple static fire test on the launch pad, and that was simply testing the engines. 
uh, the, the independent investigation that followed found that the titanium that was involved in that fuel line for those thrusters, to put it very, very simply, a spark was ignited because of the titanium that was used, and that caused a spark which ignited the fuel which blew up the spacecraft. SpaceX adjusted that, no longer using titanium in those areas so that there is no chance of sparks, and they went to go to the in-flight abort test and and com- Completed it flawlessly. So what I'm trying to say here is that failure is a part of life. It's something we talk about on the podcast ad nauseum because as logical as science can make you, we are all still human beings and failure, failure is part of the game. And if we can look at it that way, we're a lot better off. It's part of science. It's part of progress. It never feels good. And we never want to fail. But when you do new things, you're going to fail on your way to success. From a scientific mindset, failure is what teaches you about what you don't understand. As we talk about on the podcast, failing in testing is exactly what we want to do. Not failing in tests is not good because then you don't, you don't, you never pushed yourself hard enough to find any issues that there may be, and that failure could crop up when it's the risk is at its highest. And it's all about how you react to that failure when you find it in testing that makes all the difference. Learning from failure is what Boeing and NASA have on their plate for the next few months. And we wish them luck figuring out and making the adjustments that that they need to do. The review should be finished by the end of the month with the report shortly to follow. I didn't go into a lot of specific details here because there really aren't any. Until the tests are done, analyzed, and the report is released, all we can do is wait. What I can say from a human perspective is, is the telecom with NASA and Boeing was productive. I'm super grateful that they did this and was trying to be transparent and give us the information they could. And the people involved seemed determined to get to the bottom of it and fix the issue. And they did well of answering the press questions that came up. Not all of them were kind questions. There was a brief period where there were a few questions back to back that uh, uh, were a little harsh, but they all tried to answer them the best way they could. And they, they were being clear, of course, what they do know and what they don't know, which is to me is a really good sign. I can see that they're trying their best and that's all we can hope for right now. And again, the recording is in this week's episode so that you can actually listen to it yourself and you can let me know what you think. Did uh, I'm, I'm happy to discuss that with you if you hit us up on social media, Today in Space Pod, on Instagram and Twitter, our Facebook page at Today in Space Podcast, and of course, emailing us at todayinspacepodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think, if you agree or if you don't agree. And that does it for this week's episode. That is our commercial crew review, giving the latest on what's up with SpaceX and Boeing and the Starliner spacecraft, the Crew Dragon spacecraft. There's a lot to come, a lot of unknowns at this point. But what we've seen is there was a lot of unknown with SpaceX. They've made their fixes. They've had a successful test, one of the major milestones that's needed to get them to the next step. And Boeing is now going through that with, them, with themselves. So there's a lot of positivity. There's there's a lot of openness, again, from NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstein. Thank you very much for doing that. It's, it's always a good sign that if failure happens, to have them open about it. Can't say enough about that. So thank you for, for joining us this week on the Commercial Crew Review. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Today in Space. And just a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by AG3D, which is our 3D printing lab where we use 3D printing to make props for the show, to help us communicate science, but also to bring your ideas into reality. And I'm very excited. This 
coming up weekend. I'm going to be going to PAX East. So if you are going to be there, let me know. Um, we are showing off some of our uh, newly 3D printed cosplay costumes, and we're starting that up. So if you are into cosplay, if you are looking to get a custom, high-quality, 3D printed outfit for your cosplay needs, feel free to reach out. AG3D Printing on Instagram. You can see the work that we've done. And we'll make sure to share what we show off at our time here at PAX East. Uh, we're going to play some video games. We're going to have some fun. Not just video games, board games as well. All kinds of games. I'm excited. I went for the first time last year. I went for one day, like half a day, and I was completely overwhelmed. It's massive. There's so much to be done, and there's so, there's so much in there. So I, I'm ready to have fun. Uh, we're going to be there with uh, my brother Nick and Ashley. They do their podcast and we'll be talking more about that in the future here. But if you're into weightlifting and you're into anime and being a weeb, hit them up. And that's it. Again, AG3D printing for your, your 3D printing needs. You help support the podcast. And that's it. Have a great week. And we'll see you next time on Today in Space.